and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back to review game week two, another exciting game week of FPL action. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by the Romelu Lukaku to my Harry Kane sitting on the bench on the Sun Lounger, wherever he is. It's Andy Case. Andy, how are you, how are you doing? I know it was not it was a fairly busy weekend, I think, for you. Not a lot of football watch, but still plenty of FPL action to get tucked into. Uh, I haven't really checked how your team did. I checked how mine did. So did you have an OK FPL weekend? Yeah, it went all right. Obviously not as good as last weekend when there was lots of high scorers and particularly with the, the premium players. But yeah, no, it's fine. I'm all right. How are uh, you, Chris? How are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm a bit sweaty. Just played a bit of five-a-side. You know, you talk about football, play a bit of it as well. So you know, but uh, yeah, uh, not too bad. Just uh, just need to get need to get this need to get this podcast done, Andy, because uh, Love Island final done in a minute. So that's must-see TV in in my household. Well, that yeah, you've just decimated our burgeoning listenership there. So uh, thanks, thanks, Chris. Thanks. For yeah. That. No worries, no worries. Well, um, I mean, as as that as I may have alluded to there, that does mean we are recording during the West Ham Leicester game. So some of the stats that we go through on this podcast may be slightly out of date by the time that you, uh, this is listened to, but hopefully not too bad. And I'm sure we'll still have plenty of plenty of takes to, uh, to make on, based on the game week two. As always on our review shows, we'll start by reviewing our players on the radar, then we'll have a look at a blankety blank. That's a high owned player that blanked in this game week and a top differential to see who uh, see whether they might end up on our radar uh, in, in a week or two's time. Then we'll have a review of our swimming against the tide. It wasn't amazing this week, but I'm sure we, I can still try and defend it somewhat, considering it was uh, it was one of my ideas. And then we'll have a look at our captaincy selections before we have a look ahead to game week three. Sandy, let's start with those players on the radar. I mean, I guess uh, we must confess that Brentford wasn't the team that we ended up, either of us ended up watching this weekend. I think it was one of those three o'clock kickoffs anyway. So, but I'm sure you've had a look at some of the highlights. Um, I mean, we were talking about Brian and Buemo and, and Ivan Tony. I guess the headline here is that both ended up blanking, but there were still some encouraging signs, particularly from Ivan Tony this week compared to uh, his out-of-position out of teammate. Yes, I mean... Obviously, this is what's a little bit trickier, and I alluded to it with the with the whole three pm kickoffs thing. So, so can't be sure in terms of the eye test, but in terms of the the stats and stuff, yeah, it certainly looks like Tony had a bit more of the ball this week. Um, he was he, well, uh, you know, as you say, up to this point with without the West Ham game having played, he, he's joint second amongst forward for for shots, um, and he had six touches in in the boxing game week too. So that's a lot more than he had in in the first game week, and. Yeah, yeah, a bit more encouraging, and the, the kind of the XG. I think I think sometimes, uh, probably we can be guilty of this as well. XG can 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 hide a lot of a lot of sins, or or it can it can sometimes mean too much to some people. But ultimately, here he's also third highest amongst forwards in terms of XG this game week, which 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 means that you know he he was getting in positions for chances, which which you know, wasn't the case in, in game week one. So yeah, uh, uh, it's still, it's still early. And I think actually it's getting to the point where 6.5 million forward starting him. If you've got him, you've probably started him in at least one, if not both of these games, I'm, you know, against the oppositions they've had, frankly, in Arsenal and Crystal Palace, you're maybe wanting, you're getting to the point where maybe you're thinking for that, that money, even though it's a cheapish forward, 6.5 million, you're starting to sort of maybe want a return and a little bit disappointed. I haven't had anything from him yet. And maybe some of that is the unfair hype from having scored lots of goals in the championship. But, but yeah, no, still a little bit more promising, at least on the underlying numbers there for Tony. 
I mean, I wonder if that is, um, you know, again, uh, you know, as as long as Anderson's to the pod will know, I do like my EFLs. I've watched a lot of Brentford over the last few seasons. This isn't a completely new system, but isn't, you know, isn't one that they employed in every championship game last year. And I do wonder perhaps if, um, and I wonder what your take on this, Andy, is just from a purely FPL and maybe value point of view. But, you know, obviously in the first game, we saw Mbwemo being the threat. In the second game, we've seen Tony being the, the the focal point, the threat a little bit more up top. And if they're going to alternate and it's going to be dependent on Brentford's tactics, I wonder if that devalues them both a little bit. You kind of want, ideally, in an ideal world, them both, one of them being the guy um, or at least maybe one being the creator and one being the finisher. And if they're just going to kind of share that duty, it kind of devalues them both. I think obviously their price still appeals and, and Mbwemo in particular being out of position. I guess the thing with for him, five and a half million, sure, is pretty good for a midfielder. But there are so many midfielders that how do you slot him in? And whereas for Tony, it feels like an easier route into your 15 at the very least. But if, as you say, for that extra million, you could reinvest that somewhere else. And if you're not getting returns from him, you could go for a four and a half million pound player and put him on your bench and put that money back into your midfield a little bit so so yeah I think I think you're right there I think we you know signs of promise but ultimately people want to start delivering I do wonder as well and, and I will put this one to you more directly do you think that we and I say we as like FPL players in general do you think we're maybe um not giving Tony the time he perhaps deserves because Bamford blew up last season so so soon and he was ultimately his starting price was a million cheaper Maybe. I mean, I wouldn't say there's people loads of it. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there, I suppose, as a tiny bit of disappointment. I wouldn't say there's loads of, I, don't, I haven't actually looked at the numbers, but I don't think loads of people like getting rid of him. Uh, maybe it's just uh, frustration, um, hypothetical frustration rather than actually materialising in, in transfers out yet. But but po- possibly, although I think we were we were thinking at this time last season that that um, Bamford's was, was, was um, not sustainable, though it turned out to be that he did get quite a few returns. Um, I mean, interestingly, on Mbwemo, you know, that, like, as you mentioned, there's there's lots of uh, decent price players around him. And, and as we're recording live, just seen Ben Rama get another assist uh, for West Ham um, for Nals with the goal and for Nals also in that kind of similar price bracket. So for him, yeah, I can find it a little bit more difficult to justify. But exactly the point you said on Tony, um, whether there's disappointment out there amongst managers or not, ultimately, who are you going to turn to? other than him and that's the difficult thing so I think a lot of people will be sticking with him yeah agreed agreed let's move on to uh two premium assets who uh who I guess were you know were were, were transfers in from abroad but had played in the played at least you know played in England a, a bit before um Jaden Sancho and Romelu Lukaku Jaden Sancho Andy fairly underwhelming in his 30 minute cameo but as you said to me in our sort of pre-pod chat you know 30 minutes is plenty enough time to do something at least or to show a little bit more than 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 what he did so I'm guessing he's very much a hold and maybe coming off the radar in a little bit not to go into our team Romelu Lukaku the complete opposite and I'm guessing we're going to spend some of game week three and possibly game week four wondering how on earth we can get him into our teams well Chelsea are definitely a more complete and settled team than Man United. So to make a comparison, it um, maybe is a it, it is uh, unfair on Sancho in the grand scheme of things in terms of where you're going to place the blame. But like frankly, from an FPL as- asset point of view, where the blame is, whoever's fault it is, doesn't really match you, does it? Because if Sancho is is looking sort of less um, hitting the ground running than Lukaku is, then then you're probably not going to want him in your team, particularly at, at his price. And I think that is the case, really. Yeah, he's um that. 
the first game, we kind of gave him a bit of a bye because United were already 5-1 up. He only had 10 minutes. But in this game, he had 30-35. Southampton were on the rack when he came on. And, uh, you know, United's performance generally wasn't great. But, I mean, he got on the ball enough times and didn't really see anything out of him to, to sort of show me that he was replicating the form he's shown at points in the Bundesliga. So that is that is disappointing. And I don't think he, I would be going near him quite quite yet I had kind of considered is my route to Lukaku potentially in the future you know downgrade Bruno to Sancho and use that extra money there but I wouldn't I wouldn't be risking that as what I've seen at the moment on Lukaku I think if anyone's followed any football over this weekend other than you know our podcast as well that you will have heard about Lukaku's performance and and he was just superb he is absolutely the other end of the scale hit the ground running looked unplayable the only question mark really would be uh, what kind of um, opposition was it in Arsenal? Because Arsenal have shown themselves to be frankly atrocious over these first two game weeks. And we were pretty disparaging about them after game week one and can only be even more so after game week two. So that would be maybe the only small question mark over Lukaku. And, and however, he has a, a great opportunity to, to answer that in this upcoming game week. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you know, at the time of recording, uh, he is the most transferred in a, a player you know, ahead of game week three. And I don't think that's going to be a tide that we're going to be swimming against Andy, even though he does have a difficult fixture because you know, he did look so good. And uh, and there's absolutely no saying that he wouldn't return against Liverpool. Another striker in pretty good form. And I, I think this guy might be coming up our radar soon and going into our teams as well. Similar time to when he did it last year, I think, uh, in terms of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He had an excellent start to last season and he's had a similarly impressive start to this one I mean four shots in the last game two big chances I think that tied um top uh, tied uh, most among forwards obviously Mikel Antonio and Jamie Vardy pending um you know we don't like talking about single game xg as Andy said uh, uh, earlier on about Mbwemo and Tony but we haven't got a lot of data to go on go off yet this year and he was second highest for, for xg in this game week as well um I think he he just looks really impressive and you also get to capitalize on on Everton's really good really you know really decent start um really you know really straightforward fixtures in in their first sort of seven or eight games um in addition to that those that own Ings at the minute um will have seen that he didn't take a penalty when El Ghazi was on the pitch this weekend Villa's fixtures are about to turn and then DCL did take a penalty when Richardson was on the pitch and all of those things added together mean that the 8 million Danny Ings switch to 8 million DCL switch could really be on the cards and could have quite a lot of upside, even though I guess both have started the season well. Looking at the trajectories, DCL seems to be maybe where people are going to start leaning. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, I'm I'm really glad we 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 kind of went for it and put him on the radar. I was in two minds when we were discussing it before the preview because it's Everton and you know we've seen them be patchy last season, but um, it did look intriguing from that first game. The fact that everything was sort of headed, uh, the whole game plan seemed to be to, to do whatever they could to create chances for for DCL, and it's the opposite of what you said about Mbwemo and Tony earlier. Really, in that everything around Everton's game plan seems to be how can we get the best out of DCL. Um, the the three behind him looked more fluid um, in this game than in their first game. Um, Richarlison, Iwobi and Gray, um, all individually players who I think we would say have been inconsistent and none of them necessarily 100% convinced us over the years, maybe Richarlison more so than the others. Um, but 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 looking decent, kind of looking like a three, that a combination that sometimes you just get the chemistry that sort of works and and that seemed to be working for them in that Leeds game, at least. Um, and 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 on top of that, yeah, all of their focus was towards getting balls and getting service into Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Eight million, 
it's again it's a tricky one with that forwards thing this year because for eight mil you really do want I almost feel like you want more guaranteed sort of certainty. Um, but I suppose the fact like you've raised it there, that he's, that he's on penalties. I still don't hundred percent trust Everton, I guess is probably what I'm, what I'm thinking in the back of my head, but yeah, maybe the fact that it looks like he might well be on penalties is kind of um, uh, an additional like feather in his cap and might just push it over the edge in terms of, yeah, he needs to start getting in people's teams. I, d- I do wonder, you said about the move from Ings to DCL. I can see that 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 kind of makes sense. But I wonder if there'll be a lot of people thinking, well, actually, I want to take money out of Ings if you want to be heading towards a Lukaku um, to, f- to fill that spot um, or, you know, one of your other forward spots. So, yeah, um, c- will he be worth it? Can he sustain it over the long term? I don't know. I, uh, another small question mark I'd have there would be about the whole Leeds thing. I mean, similar to what I said about uh, Lukaku against Arsenal, can you, I mean... Th- I, I think I said to you, I can't remember if I said it on the pod or off the pod, uh, off air to you, Chris, last week. But I think last week's performance from Leeds, they were, went, the, how bad they were went under the radar a little bit because Man United, everyone was just lauding Man United. And, and yeah, United looked great going forward. But Leeds, I think, really have been poor, certainly at least from a defensive standpoint at the start of this season. And um, so, so, so maybe it might turn out in a few weeks' time, we'll look back on this and go, yeah, well, Everton, uh, you know, perf- perform well against Leeds but you can't take much out of that uh, yeah I think that's fair but then you look at the fact that they've got Brighton Burnley Villa and Norwich next and all of them have shipped goals so far this this season I think that he could you know, it just feels like the ripe time to get him and then even after game week seven when they've got Man United West Ham Watford Wolves Tottenham is not the most difficult start to the season so I think um, with Villa's fixtures turning I wonder if I wonder if he will be a route to go down I mean he has had a price rise so yeah we need to correct the, the fact that he's 8 million he's now 8.1 so that might make things a little bit trickier and I think it's fair if you want to get money out of Ings if you do own him then then fair enough but but yeah you know and this isn't anything against Ings it's just kind of really speaking up DCL and Everton's fixtures I think we, we you know I think we were Probably right to wait and see how Everton ended up doing, but they've, you know, they've, they've fairly straightforwardly brushed aside the first, their first two opponents when they could have been you know, classic Everton banana skins. And uh, and you know, I think, um, well, they didn't brush aside Leeds obviously, but in terms of their attacking kind of attacking play, you know, they, they look pretty good. Took the lead twice, so so yeah, I think uh, I think I think DCL could be could be a decent sort of option going forwards. I mean, two more decent options going forward, Andy, and again, these are midfielders playing out of position, and so we can group them together a little bit. Mason Greenwood and, and Ferran Torres. Um, Mason Greenwood got another return, another goal. You, I think you said he sort of scuffed it a little bit, but his all-round play, I think, in general, still is something that you're impressed by, and obviously still playing through the middle. He's, uh, you know, whether he ends up losing his place to a Jaden Sancho eventually remains to be seen. But equally, Paul, Paul Pogba is still playing out on the left, getting a lot of stuff, good stuff out of him, Man United, but he could end up being the the, the make you know, the guy that makes way for Sancho, I guess, eventually. And Ferran Torres also playing through the middle. Don't think he got a return in this in this game, but generally looked pretty threatening. Um, I mean, any anything more on those two? I guess you you might. You, I mean, you watched quite a few Torres highlights, I think, this weekend, Andy, and were fairly impressed by him. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say just quickly on. Um... Greenwood was that he didn't actually start the game through the middle as a number nine. Unfortunately, it was Anthony Martial started the game and he played as the number nine and Greenwood was outright for the first sort of 60 minutes or so. Um, but ne- nevertheless, he still looked good and he looked threatening. He looked much more threatening than Martial, who offered absolutely nothing um, and, and really does not. I, I know that you think that I've got a bit of a thing against him, but it's it's an evident, evidence-based opinion, frankly. And yeah, he absolutely doesn't deserve a place anywhere near the team at the moment. Um 
but but yes, Greenwood was still was still a threat. And then I, he moved to the middle, but ironically, he looked less threatening there. But I think that was more um, just a byproduct of United not playing particularly well and them not really giving him much service um, after that point. Um, so so I, st I still think, yeah, a, a great option and likely to continue playing. Um, or you know, possibly where if Cavani was to come back in, Greenwood might might well settle out there on the right. Maybe he'll have to share minutes with Sancho, like you sort of suggested, if Pogba's been playing well on on the left. But I guess we'll we'll see with that. Um, and and then yeah, Torres. I mean, he did, although he didn't actually get a return um, in in reality. In um, he in theory he he could have had one. Um, he, he he scored a goal which was uh, ultimately ruled out for a, a foul quite a bit earlier in the play um, on Norwich. I think there's been a, for me it was actually a foul. I've seen I've seen a few takes from people saying that they that, that they don't think it was. Um, you know, not two teams that I love particularly, so I've got no particular reason to be generous towards either of them. But but for me it was it was a foul. But anyway, just from an FPL point of view for Torres, got across his man. He had a couple of other chances as well where he was actually outright playing as a number nine, like on the shoulder. And I think that's what we wanted to see from him. And the fact that he his he was place wasn't dislodged by Jesus. Um, yeah, and the, and that Jesus looked looked a lot better as a right winger actually probably helps Torres as well because he, it, it means he's under even less threat from his place getting taken. Yet yeah, obviously, if there was a certain Mr. H Kane to come in, different story. But um, but but for now at least, it looks like Torres is is the is the starting um, number nine for for Man City. Yeah, I think that you know at seven million, he's a bit cheaper than some midfields that you know that are, that that are kind of in that seven and a half million bracket that I think we spoke about uh, on our FPL lounge long weekend at the start of the season. So so yeah, I think he he could be a good option. I guess you would want to see those those returns coming, and obviously he's going to have more difficult fixtures than Norwich coming up. Um, although you know Arsenal at the weekend seems to be fairly straightforward at the moment. So who knows? Who knows? Um, last word then, Andy on the, on Jakob Moda. I think only got I think you kind of put him on the radar you want to see if he ended up with a start having got a return in the previous game and he didn't 10 minutes off the bench at the end four and a half million midfield option feels like there are some better options out there but maybe one to revisit if something changes possibly I mean it was a bit of a speculative one speculative one for me and I think he'll still be on my own personal radar just to see if he does start getting any more minutes but I, I think it's a shame because I think he could he could like I said mentioned on the preview sort of do, do well but I think at the moment realistically you can't be you can't be thinking about getting him in your team yet no Absolutely. All right. Well, let's leave it there then. I'm sure we'll uh, ahead of game week three. We'll probably have to have to rejig the radar somewhat. A few players there that might end up going into teams, and a few that are probably going to drop off our radar. But I'm sure we've got plenty to look forward to. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be looking at blankety blank and top differential. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore Lounge, and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, blankety blank, Andy, a high-owned player that ended up blanking in game week three. A fair few candidates, but we're going for one, and we're going for Bruno Fernandes, 58.1% ownership at the time of recording, and just one point. He got his uh, almost obligatory Bruno booking for dissent. Um, obviously, United didn't get clean sheets. So that's kind of why he pipped Salah this week, who got three points and blanked as well. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 uh, that is going to happen with Bruno. He does play on the edge like that and he loves a little whinge. But um, 
it, it was more so just the all-round performance that was that was quite disappointing. For, for, and I think, okay, yes, he did. Fa- fa- it's a fact that he got fewer points than, than Salah, so that's more disappointing. But Salah's performance for anyone who watched it, you know, he, he he on a different day could have had two or three goals. He looked good. He had opportunities. Again, it was a toenail offside that that ruled him out of a goal. So I think Bruno therefore was more disappointing. He didn't really have much involvement in the game other than to be fouled for the first. Um, for the first opportunity that the, the, the goal that, that, that Southampton got. So yeah, uh, for, I mean, he scored a hat trick last week, so we can't complain about him too much, but uh, it, this week certainly deserving of the title, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair for both him and Salah, obviously, but you know, between them, they've got three returns this game week, I think, oh, sorry, over the two game weeks, I think you said that Bruno's still the joint t- high scorer in the game. So it feels a bit weird giving him this title this week, but if it had spread his returns out, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be in this position, just so happened that he didn't. And uh, therefore, I think any disappointment from owners of, of Bruno or Salah need to be tempered somewhat. Um, and beyond that, Andy, I guess uh, another 52.5% um, owned player in Luke Shaw kind of didn't get a return but did end up with two bonus points so ended up with Luke Shaw ended up with four points it feels a bit odd to mention him but I thought I would just give it give it a bit of a mention because you know there was kind of like those three in the above 50% ownership category not got neither an attacking or defensive return and then beyond that it, the next kind of next worst I guess was was Ivan Tony, who obviously was spoken about on the radar who's you know, got 27 28% ownership and and obviously blank this week as well so yeah it felt like it had to be one of those three Luke Shaw felt unfair Salah felt unfair so it just kind of ended up on Bruno's kind of Bruno's head this week well yeah not, like, yeah not not just ended up on him like I said I think his performance the overall performance was disappointing and very very high owned I mean can you remember a time when even all of last season was anyone owned as much as 58 percent I'm tr- I'm struggling to think that's that's really high yeah I can't I can't think of one I feel like uh, sort of their peak like DCL and, and and Bamford when they were very good value were like 40 odds maybe maybe creeped crept into 50 I'm sure we had some 50 around 50 but 58 feels very high um, and then also to have three that are kind of that high, highly owned just feels quite strange as well. But I'm sure that's going to change when people try and get Romelu Lukaku in their teams. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see how how things play out in the next in the next few weeks. Let's move on to top differential, and uh, there were quite a lot of potentials that we could have gone with. I know in previous uh, previous game weeks from from last season, some of our top differentials might have only got sort of 10, 11 points, but um, we're going to give it to Reese James this week for an incredible 18-point return. I guess it does favour defenders, Andy, when they, well, I guess defenders are almost always going to get it when they score, assist, and keep a clean sheet. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I think if if we knew Reese James was definitely starting at right wing back for Chelsea every week, he'd be off the radar, on the radar and off it in no time. Because he would just be an almost must own. He's, a, he, he's ridiculous value at five and a half million. I mean, he's Luke Shaw price, right? And Lucas Dean price. But he gets, when he plays, he consistently returns probably above both of them. I mean, he didn't get loads of goals or assists last season. Part maybe a symptom of that because of being in and out of the team. But but it just it's the clean sheets that the, the Chelsea and Man City are basically the only two teams in the league. And we said this as the season went on last year. They're basically the only two teams you can trust for clean sheets in the league. And um, they're, whilst Villa, teams like, say, Villa, got quite a few last year, the underlying numbers were suggesting they shouldn't have got as many as they did. Um, and and um, whereas Chelsea and City's underlying numbers are consistently good. Um, so then when he does throw in the odd assist or, or goal as well on top of that, and if he, if he was to have a more consistent run in the team, yeah, I'm a, a big, big fan of Reese James. And um, 
but that is a big question mark. I think we, I, we, I think we mentioned it in the last preview or maybe re review. I can't remember, but Tuchel roulette is, is becoming a thing, unfortunately. And um, Chelsea have got the depth in their squad, frankly, to be able to, um, to, to do it, to have two, well, three goals from defenders in two games in Alonso, James and Chalaba. Uh, it's uh, it's a bit ridiculous really, but, but that's the way they play. And um, so that would be the question marks over, over James going forward. But, yeah, look, if, if there's any kind of sniff, if, if he gets a consistent run in the team, he's not going to be a differential for long. That, that is um, a great, great price, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got, I think, all of our kind of honourable mentions in the top differential category this weekend are defenders. So we've got Tyrone Mings, 8.6% owned, 15 points. Shane Duffy, 7.5% owned, 14 points. I mean, I guess his... It's not it's not the worst ownership in the world. It's not the lowest ownership in the world, is it? And I think he was a four million defender who started in game week one. And I think he's obviously now he's scored, he's had a price rise. So um so yeah, that'll be interesting to see whether he keeps his team. I think he was shipped off to Celtic last year and had a all bit you know, by most standards, a pretty horrendous season for them. So it's a bit of a bit of a bit of a renaissance somewhat. And then I'm at Laporte, two point one percent owns and fourteen points there as well. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of defenders, but I guess if they get on the score sheet or get attacking returns and also keep clean sheet, then uh, then then they're going to appear on our top differential segment quite a bit. I, I guess I guess a bit of balance I forgot to mention on James. I guess is that uh, he um, he could have given away a penalty, or you know, albeit that you don't lose points for that directly, but that could have cost him his clean sheet. Um, and also, he are you going to play Arsenal every week? Frankly. Um, that he had acres and acres of space down that down that left hand side um, that, that that Arsenal should have done better to deal with, frankly. So, yeah, that may, maybe that's a question mark, but 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 no, nah. um, he, he he definitely deserves it this week. Eighteen points is unbelievable. Hall. What I'm hearing, Andy, is that I'm hearing always target Arsenal. Look, mate, the way that the way they've played in these first two games, there's there's no reason not to. I mean, I'm starting to get a bit worried about Ben White price drop. So he might, he might, might have to be the first casualty. I think he's also got a flag because he's uh, he's ill. So I hope well, he, well, yeah, COVID. He was out of this game COVID. because of COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's so, uh, not looking good, is it? For that, for that, for that four and a half million uh, defender that's just going to sit on my bench. But I don't really want his value to 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 depreciate too much. Uh, let's move on to swimming against the tide. This was one that I kind of led the led on last time round, but it was Paul Pogba being most transferred in. Didn't feel his four assists in one league game was all that sustainable. And I guess it wasn't because he only got one in this game, Andy. But that was Man United's only one. So I guess ultimately this season he's assisted what five of United's six goals in the league. Is it yes? Well, he's yeah. had five assists and we scored six. So yeah. I mean, I mean that is unsustainable. Still, I stand by that. But I guess if you do bring him in this week, then you're going to be looking, uh, feeling a little bit more smug than I am right now. Um, I think we have explained sort of expected delta on the pod before, Andy. But essentially, it's what the actual number. No, it's it's yeah, it's the well, actual number of assists minus the their expected assists, right? Well, I mean, do anyone who's worked in any kind of maths or science field or just remembers you their like no school, one. no one apart well, from you. Well that, isn't, well, that isn't. Well, that isn't. Well, that isn't true, isn't it? That that uh, that is not true. No one in the world has ever worked in any mathematical or scientific fields except Andy Case. Well, not true. So I mean, you know, Isaac Newton, Albert Einstein, full of it, Chris. <laughs> can't, be can't believe. Can't believe you just it. conflated Isaac Newton and Albert Einstein with Andy Case. 
Well, I haven't. I've, I'm just saying there's clearly much better people than me that have worked no, in those have. fields you've just gone, before. You've just gone, the, only, the only people that you've, that you've come up with that have worked in the mathematical and scientific fields are two like, Nobel Prize winning geniuses and you. No, but my point was that I'm clearly not the only one because there's such notable ones in those fields. Anyway, okay. back right. to football and yeah. FPL. Um, where was I going? Yeah, anyway, yeah, what well, it was Delta. De the point I was going to make is that Delta is it's a obviously it's a Greek letter, and here you go, bit of bit of bit of schooling for you, Chris. Uh, it's it's is a Greek letter, and it's used uh, as uh, it's it's the Greek kind of equivalent of letter D for difference, um, and it's used it's used it's used to stand for the difference in something, um, and it's used in a lot of contexts in maths and science, and here in FPL it's used as yeah the difference between someone's actual assists or their actual goals and their expected assists or goals so yeah um it's um here what you're saying essentially is that the difference between his actual assists and his expected assists is 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 huge it's 4.32 he's got five assists from an expected assists of 0.68 which which is unbelievably like that is that is outrageously overperforming so so i think it's reasonable to 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 stand by your point there really and if anyone who actually saw mason greenwood's goal um it, yeah it was it was lucky it was scruffy it was straight at the keeper keeper should have done a lot better so it's perfectly reasonable i think to suggest that the principles behind your swimming against the tide were were fairly sound in that you know united greenwood shouldn't have really got a goal from that situation it, it was a bit lucky um and yeah i guess is it is it is it sustainable we'll wait and see i suppose on the on the eye test though the other the opposite side of that is that he did actually look quite lively and have a lot of the ball and and and, and seem to sort of be united's best of a kind of bad bunch in in, in this game so um well, you, you'll we'll, ha we'll have to do it over a longer period of time if he, if he keeps getting assists then there's going to be no argument is there yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think yeah, he he will be quite an interesting case, and like you say, on on the eye test, he did look one of United's kind of principal creators, which he hasn't before, and therefore, you know, his. I think one of the arguments I made uh, last week was that you know four assists in one game, he only got three all of last season. Well, if he's now going to be one of United's principal creators, then yeah, he's probably going to get more than five over the you know he's going he's going to increase his his tally of five after game week two. Probably not going to get five every two game weeks, but. Yeah, he's gonna keep gonna keep on keep on going. So, so yes, yeah, I'm sure he'll come back down to uh, down to normal at some at some point. But but if his normal is is much better than last season, then perhaps he will be uh, a bit of an FPL asset uh, for for managers going forward. Let's uh, move on to captaincy, Andy, and I guess two players that we have already mentioned in Salah and Bruno in our blankety blank segment kind of sums up captaincy this week. Um, having said that, I think. The point that you made when we were talking about Salah and Blankety Blank was that he was very unlucky not to return, whereas Bruno less so. Um, but also, you know, as always with Liverpool assets, we do mention Mane and we do mention Jota, and both of them them ended up returning. So, I mean, do you have a kind of a takeaway from this? My kind of summation of this is that it happens sometimes. Salah's not going to score every week, even if you want him to. Um, and sometimes it is going to fall to Mane and Jota. And I guess it's just kind of, you know, if you've got those players in your team as well, you just kind of got to take that and and, and move on, really. Yeah, it's basically that. I think people would feel disappointed if they'd captain Bruno because the performance from United was so poor. But that is one of those which 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 can just happen. I mean, ultimately, he's still currently the joint highest uh, got player in the game, scoring player in the game um, after two game weeks, albeit. So I think yeah, that those things just happen, and you'd like to hope. Certainly, I would as United fan that that, that their performances are not going to be that that poor um, and that kind of disjointed um, every game week. And, and on Salah, I mean, seeing everything I've seen of the, of the game, um, 
now, I wouldn't make the other, a different decision. In fact, I'd be even more confident about my decision before the game. We was a bit, you know, between Salah and Bruno. But fr- frankly, it was just a bit of bad luck in the way the cookie crumbled for for Salah this week. Like 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 I said, he, a toenail offside from a goal. He did score one cleared off the line, one where Mane should have rolled him in, and he was through on goal. So yeah, in in, in another game week, though, some of those go in and count. Absolutely, yeah, and I guess uh, yeah, the, the story could have been so vastly different. We did also mention uh, City assets. If you can predict Pep Roulette at all, uh, so, some City assets you know, would have been probably a pretty good bet against against Norwich. I think we spoke about, or at least I spoke about uh, Jack Grealish and, and, and Ruben Diaz only because they had you know ownership well into what well, at least partially into the into the double figures. Um, both of them did end up returning. Andy, I guess you know Diaz with a clean sheet, but an assist which he doesn't get very many of. So that's inflated his numbers this week and then Jack Grealish with a, with a, with a goal but it was fairly fortuitous to get such a goal but having said that you know he's, he's always going to be involved in what City are doing um, so I guess if you did stick the armband on them well done but I guess their returns were slightly inflated by fortune yeah uh, it, it, on those specific players I mean obviously City well, well deserved to, to win the game but but yeah uh, I think Particularly Grealish is again for, for for anyone who's seen it bounced up and hit him and 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 went in. So I think the difficult thing with City, even if you knew they were going to win five 0 right? If I told you, and I think in fact I actually said outright on the preview, would you be surprised if City stick Norwich for five? And that that's what happened. But the question was always who was going to start and who was going to be playing in which positions. And I guess. Yeah, even if I told you it was going to be 5 0, we'd still be thinking, well, okay, that is good to know, and it means City are going to have a great day going forward. But who is it that's going to, ha- which do I pick to even one, have in my team and then two to captain? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I, if, you know, if, if you give me a free hit this game week where I could have brought Man City players in, three of them, then I would have probably brought Diaz in. Probably Mares would have been the other one and then possibly Grealish. But if I'd have captained one of those three, it would have probably been Riyad Mares. I mean, he did return, but he didn't start and only played 15 minutes. So you get lucky and that's kind of the player that Mares is, especially when he comes on against a team that, that, that are shipping goals left, right and centre. But but yeah, you know, it would have kind of got away with one had I put had I put the armband on Mares if you'd have given me that opportunity. I think to give balance on the other side of the corner, I think one per, one player we could arguably people could could reasonably say to us, I think that we might have considered a little bit more, maybe uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, obviously different game because um, I think... You know, we will. We generally, you know, on a one-week pick, you know, you're looking for the attacking players. As we've said before, you can only get one clean sheet, but you can get multiple goals. But, um, but, but with Trent, I guess we probably would have thought Liverpool clean sheet is reasonably likely. Um, we knew Trent was going to start, and so then it's any other return beyond that is is you're looking great, right? And he did get 12 points this week with an with an assist. Um, which you know he's perfectly kind of likely and, and you'd have thought possible to do um, uh, against a Burnley team. So, so so maybe there's an argument for for that we could, could have and should have looked at him a little a little bit closer. But but outside of that, I think if you picked any one of these ones that we that we had on there, it was perfectly reasonable choice. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Andy, I think we're getting through this in record time, but let's have a quick look ahead to game week three. Uh, in between game week two and three, we do have midweek EFL Cup, but 
pretty rare that Premier League teams put their best players and those uh, FPL assets out for the EFL Cup in round two. There are a couple of all Premier League ties. So I do wonder if possibly those teams will field stronger sides. But again, that's Watford, Palace, Newcastle and Burnley not going to have loads of FPL assets in there. And obviously in the round two of the EFL Cup, there's no, uh, no side that's playing in Europe this season. So um, I guess that kind of tempers things a little bit once again. Um, it, that doesn't mean Arsenal are in there, though, with, with a difficult away game against West Brom. So who knows? Although if you've got Arsenal assets in your team, then good luck to you. Um, Tottenham have, a, I guess, a must-win game in, in, in the Europa Conference League, Andy. Uh, you know, their, their last uh, Europa Conference League game last week, they didn't play any or didn't start any players that featured in their opening day uh, victory against Man City. Um, therefore, I wonder if that will be the case this time. Nuno's going to have to trust some really young kids to overturn a one-goal one deficit in the second leg. And other than that, and I guess it's the, the final game week before international break. And I wonder if uh, many we're going to start seeing on FBL Twitter many, many wildcard drafts. Yeah, possibly. I mean, on Spurs, Harry Kane came off the bench for Tottenham in this game. Um, in game week two and I wonder if you know because he'll need minutes um, they've got two wins out of two they've got Watford at home in the league on Sunday maybe this is that this is the time to to start Harry Kane perhaps in 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 this conference league game now look obviously I think there'll be Spurs fans out there who say the Premier League is is more important than a qualifying game in the Europa Conference League but I think Tottenham can't really afford to be like that snooty about it, frankly. If it's a great opportunity for them to, they should be by far the strongest team in that competition, and so it's a great opportunity for a trophy, a European trophy, at that as well. And also by winning it, and again, this sounds sort of maybe a bit like um, perhaps patronising towards Spurs, but ultimately, if you win it, you're guaranteed to be in the Europa League next season, um, and that takes a lot more pressure off the off the league. Okay, Spurs fans might well be saying that they're looking towards qualifying for the Champions League in in the league. But but look, I mean, if if it's getting towards the end of the season and, and you're realising that 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 is a pipe dream, you, you can you can choose where you direct your your time and your energy at that point, can't you? And Spurs are absolutely crying out for a trophy. So yeah, that that it'd be interesting to see what what their approach is there. Basically, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, on on all the others, I mean, Arsenal they're depleted, really heavily depleted. So how much they're going to be able to rotate? I'm not sure. And with, with the with the threat around the club and around Arteta in particular, to go and lose to a championship team in the in the EFL Cup, could that be the final nail for him? So I wonder whether he'd be brave enough to risk that much rotation either. Um, the others, you, you'd imagine it's heavy rotation, even though you say, like, obviously, Watford and Palace are playing each other. Newcastle and Burnley are playing each other. Norwich have got Bournemouth. So difficult ties for a lot of teams that you might think be being around the relegation picture towards the end of the season. You know that, that that place in the Premier League's worth, worth so much more for for those teams. So so I, I would still think probably heavy rotation, but yeah, might still be worth keeping an eye just to check. As always, as always, and yeah, obviously I'm sure we'll say it before game week three. But those those all important press conferences are always interesting. Andy, uh, I'm sure our listeners will want to get in touch with us to tell us how excellent their game week two what went. So how can they do so? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And uh, yeah, if they if they do, Chris, Chris is sure that you want to tell us how your game weeks went. So so don't let him down uh, back his certainty and 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 do let us know. It'd be interesting to hear what you've got to say. 
Absolutely. And we do hope that you are enjoying uh, season two of the FPL Lounge. Obviously, we're, we're two weeks in now. Hopefully, we'll getting the drumbeat going of the, of the regular sort of previews and reviews coming out, hopefully roughly about the same time every week. So, yeah, do let us know if you're enjoying things. If you've got any feedback, we are always grateful to receive it. Um, Andy, Andy's waving at me. He's got something to say. Well, just as we've got a little bit more time than we usually do, a, cu- a couple of a cu- I just mentioned a couple of things before we go. Number one, if you haven't seen the Danny Ings goal yet, and I don't, and this is aimed at you, Chris, and just listeners in general, because not sure how much of it you've seen this weekend either. But just just give yourself a happy minute or so to go and watch that because it's it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous goal. Uh, 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 well I won't ruin it I won't tell you what it is but it's it's absolutely beautiful you're gonna love it so that's worth doing um and the other thing is I suppose yeah just to say that we're uh, like we're conscious of the fact that we're recording during this West Ham Leicester game but first half's looked a bit cheeky as well as that Ben Rama assist that I've mentioned there's been a VAR red card um and it, and it's kicking off a bit so yeah um make sure you uh you you check out how that finishes up and, and how that the implications for that on, on FPL teams. I'm sure we'll we'll touch on on that on, on our preview show next week as well. Yeah, and what we won't be touching on will be the Love Island final. But I'm going to go off and uh, and watch that now with, uh, with 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 the better half. Um, other than that, Andy, obviously we will be recording our game week three preview probably Wednesday, maybe Thursday, but it will be out as soon as it can ahead of the next deadline. So, Andy, until then, thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. <laughs>